This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 185 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Equestrian Collections, Draper Therapies, and Charles Owen. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. And this week, we don't have our producer with us, our first time ever. <laughs> we have our producer, Philip. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so impressed, Philip, that you are producing our show and the co host. Uh, Glenn had to step out this evening, and uh, I, I'm impressed. I, I want nothing to do with the recording. I, I yeah. have said well, that from I'm not the beginning. Have to so. do all the, he's told me I'm not have to do any of the editing. <laughs> We're going to try and send the show uh-huh. out to him, and he'll take care of making us sound good as usual, hopefully. Yes. But, um, this I'm is impressed. The, the I'm very proud of part, you. Yeah, I'm, tra- I'm trying to take care of. So please forgive yeah. me, everyone, for the problems <laughs> that may arise, and I don't know what they are yet. But. <laughs> We have a great show. We have um, Catherine Bateson Chandler, and she is just a wonderful person, and she's coming on to talk to us. She was training with Carl Hester and Charlotte Desjardins this uh, summer in England and was there for the Olympics, so she's got some great stories I think everyone will really enjoy. And we have George Williams, uh, the president of USDF. We're so so happy to have him on the show talking to us about um, what's happened at the convention last week, so I I think it's going to be a great show. Yeah, and we'd we'd all need to know what's going on and uh, what's new in uh, USDF, so that'll be uh, that'll be exciting, and that'll be a great show. Yeah, I think it will be. And there's some little tidbits in the news this week. Nothing, um, nothing too uh, too groundbreaking, but a new fund has um, been started in honor of Patsy Alberts uh, by the Dressage Foundation to make an annual award to the highest placing dressage rider at the USEF High Performance Championships who also competed in the North American Young Rider Championships. So the first award will start in 2013 and will provide financial support for continuing education and training. So I know Patsy, I actually uh, knew Patsy from the Young Rider days and I'm sure um, she is absolutely looking down from heaven and really excited about that program. That's good. And and next... Um, voting has opened for the U.S. Equestrian Federation Equestrian of the Year and Horse of the Year. So um, people can go, I guess, to USDF and vote for that. Oh, I think that would be great. And um, there's actually no standard dressage horse and rider that are nominated this year, but Jonathan Vence, um, the or, or Wentz from uh, the Paralympic Games, and we've we've had some some talk about him on the show. He's a wonderful, wonderful young man, um, and he went the Olympics for the paraequestrian. Um, and he passed away this fall, and he's been nominated. So you can go to the USEF website, and you can actually nominate him for that award. Great, great. Let's hope all of our listeners do that and support support him and, and his memory, a great person. Um, so the PSI auction just concluded, I guess, last weekend. Reese, what's yeah. the news from yeah. that? 
So um, I, I think the PSI action, I've never been, but it sounds like it is great fun. And um, the five-year-old world uh, champion, Sakur, was sold to Britain for 2.3 million euros and, and change. Um, and, and that's in U.S. dollars. That's almost $3 million. It's $2.98 million. Uh, and and <laughs> the highest price horse at the PSI auction. That was pretty pretty cool. Um, and yeah, goodness... I mean- for for those that don't know, it's it's the biggest auction of the year, and it's put on by Ulrich Castleman and uh, and Paul Schakamola, the I mean part owner of of Totalist, and they have this auction every year. And um, normally they they hit the high price horses of of every year, being sold at auction in in Germany. And uh, so that's kind of exciting for those who just are a bit nosy about you know what horses are changing hands and stuff like that. So that's kind of cool. Actually, have you, have you ever been? No, no, I didn't go, either. and yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have the, quite that money to to be spending yeah. on horses. <laughs> I would so. keep my hands in my pocket. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, everybody. Uh, it's kind of like going to the thoroughbred race sales. You do not want to have your hands waving around. Uh, yeah. Not on purpose. Yeah, so me the tell best you. way to make sure that none of that stuff happens is not to go. Anyways, right? <laughs> Just not to go. That's uh, exactly. <laughs> and uh, our final piece of news before we get into today's show is uh, Linda Zhang will be awarded the USEF Pegasus Medal of Honor for outstanding service to horse and equestrian sports. Um, so Linda Zhang was an alternate for the 1980 Olympics, and she's an FEI five-star judge, top organizer, trainer, official um, she's just a wonderful person as well. Yeah, she's um, done it all, right? I mean, she's yeah, really, she has really supported the equestrian community, and this is a wonderful award to uh, to recognize her for that. So that's awesome. Absolutely, and the Pegasus Award of uh, it's the Pegasus Medal of Honor was created as an annual award to recognize individuals for outstanding service to the horse and equestrian sport by engaging the, com- the community in their passion through their work in the industry. And um, Linda was described as inspiring and educational. So that's, that's wonderful. And to have her um, represent the dressage community, how lucky are we? So that's yeah. pretty, pretty wonderful. Yeah. Well, that's all the world news. Is there any, uh, any new news from Maplecrest Farms this week? What are you up to? Oh, goodness. Well, we have a little show this weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. And um, I'm going to show Denali, my baby horse. Your jumping my horse? horse? My jumping horse, if everyone has seen on Facebook, there has been um, very, very, very small jumping going on here at the barn. Um, But he's going to his first horse show. Um, So that'll be fun. I'm taking some students and some other horses. And also, if anyone, I've decided I'm going to sell my fourth level horse. So if anybody's interested in a really nice fourth level horse, Bruce St. George, she can do a a green St. George. Give me a call or private message me on Facebook, and I'd love to give you some more information. But she's also going to show some fourth level this weekend. So. And right after uh, Equestrian Collections, uh, Catherine Bateson Chandler is going to come on the program and talk to us about her time in England this summer. And uh, Catherine is a wonderful rider and trainer. She came up the ranks, worked for Robert Dover for many years, and she was also a member of the 2010 World Equestrian Games team. So after this word from Equestrian Collections. Hi, Glenn here, founder of the Horse Radio Network, and I am with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with Equestrian Collections Product of the Week. This 
week I'm going to feature a particular item, the Iridian Ladies Chinchilla Fleece Crossover Turtleneck. But what I really want to talk about is the entire Chinchilla line. It's getting into autumn and cooler weather, and I'm telling you, this is the softest material you will ever put on. And another thing I like about this uh, this particular line is it's different. It's not just a turtleneck like your regular turtleneck. This one has a crossover so that it comes down to a little bit of a V and it makes it so much more comfortable. It's not always hitting your chin. And it's very, very comfortable and warmer than you would imagine. It's very light, but it's also very warm. It comes in a quarter zip and it comes in the crossover and it comes in a regular but the way it's spelled, when you go on the website, it's chinchilla, C-H-I-N-C-H-I-L-L-A-A-A-H. It's the perfect, perfect name because chinchilla itself is so soft. It's for chilly weather. And when you put it on, it makes you go, ah. <laughs> so look for the chinchilla fleece turtleneck. That's put out by Iridian, and it looks like it comes in a variety of colors as well. It does. A really pretty blue and a really pretty gray. And I think it also comes in um, a a red Red, color. Yeah, Yeah. Rudy. Yep, that's terrific. Well, very good. Well, you can find all of the Iridian products as well as the Chinchilla line line, uh, at (laughs) equestriancollections.com. And we have them in stock, so we can ship them out the day you order. Well, I am so privileged, Philip and I are privileged to have Catherine Bates and Chandler on our uh, show this evening. And Catherine, we, uh, I've been following you on Facebook all summer on your trip to Carl Hester. So can we jump right on into how it was and, and what happened this summer for you? Well, I was um, lucky enough to be able to be sort of in the heat of the action over in England this summer. Um, I've been friends with Carl for many years and have trained with him for many years. And I thought he was like my best kept secret. And now everybody knows about him. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was really, really amazing to be over there. Um, Carl and Charlotte have been for years two of my very closest friends. And um, I'm originally from England. So I sort of had that tie already to that area, which is why I originally started going there. Because um, it was very convenient for me. Um, but it was I mean, to be there this summer when the Olympics was going on and when I knew that they had two of the best horses in the world and that they had a good chance of the gold medal, it was um, like a dream come true. So, Catherine, if you could tell us about uh, which horse that you took there and, and what you were up to while you were working with Carl and uh, some things along those lines. Um, yeah, I had two horses um, owned by Jane Clark, who I ride for. Um, that I took over with me, a horse named Alcazar, who's a seven-year-old um, Dutch horse by Contango, who's the same stallion that Ravel's by. And uh, I've had him since uh, beginning of April. And then I took over a mare that I actually originally bought from Carl, and um, together we trained her up to Grand Prix. Uh, her name is Dea, too. And I had those two horses over there. So I was mainly going for training. I knew that the summer wouldn't be really about competing. It would be more about training, especially the seven-year-old, to bring him, sort of get to know him and bring him as close to Grand Prix um, as is reasonably possible as a seven-year-old, just to get a little taste of everything. Uh, So it was great being at Carl. Carl has an amazing training program and training schedule that I am 
doing my very best now. I'm away from him to stick to. Um, it's a lot of not overtraining the horses, and there's a lot of hacking and, um, you know, what we would call trail riding, but we go hacking out on the roads for hours. Um, and I was a little reticent in the beginning to do that because um, it's not my horse, and I was he'd never been out of a 20-by-60 arena. Uh, but he learned very quickly how much fun it was, and I actually learned to enjoy it. So it was uh, it was really fun. And how often did you did you go out, Catherine? How often did you hack? Uh, we are all required, whether we like it or not, to go out twice a week. So we go out twice a week um, for the long hack is about an hour to an hour and a half, um, and it's all on the roads and it's you know good surfaces on their roads, and the farriers put little tiny road nails in their shoes so they're very secure on the roads and whether they're three four years old or whether they're 17 years old they they we all go out hacking in groups of uh between two and six um and it's actually it it really is a good time you know you really get to know people when you're hacking out there for hours um so i got to be really good friends with you know everybody there that i didn't already know um, so you develop really good friendships by all that hacking <laughs> as well as it's great for the horses. <laughs> they see a lot of things. They see tractors and sheep galloping up hills and cows and, uh, machinery and, and it's a great education for the horses and, um, great for their brains and great for their muscles and good for their feet. And yeah, I've, I've learned to like it. <laughs> Now we're okay, Reese. Do you have a question for? Her? No, no. So, Catherine, I was just going to ask, like, how was that um, a helmet? Uh, you know, in the beginning, was it really nerve wracking for for you to go out there, or how did you um, kind of get over that? It was a little bit in the beginning, only because I didn't know this horse so well. Um, on like day, I, I didn't mind so much because I've had her for years, and I knew that you know I knew she was fine. We've done that before when we've been over at Carl's. Uh, this horse, I didn't know him quite so well, so and he's quite a sharp electric kind of horse, although he has an amazingly sensible brain. But he is, you know, he just never seen any of that before. So in the beginning, I just went out with sort of a sensible group. You know, I sort of picked the horses carefully who I went out with. And then he learned after maybe one or two times hacking that, you know, it was a lot of fun and and he was great. He was an angel. So now, you know, it's good. Now I can bring him back home again, and I see how much that's just improved his temperament and rideability, just so I can take him anywhere now, and um, and I really trust him. So it really develops a good trust uh, between the horse and rider, I think. So moving forward from your training sessions, what's your plans for this winter? Um, so my plans uh, this winter are going to be, um, I did do one pre-St. George when I was in England, um, just to sort of get that under my belt when I had Carl there, uh, which he was great in. So I don't think um, he has to do a ton of showing um, because he's quite good at the competitions. Um, so I sort of have tentatively scheduled out uh, four or five shows, starting out with some national shows, starting some pre-St. George's, some national inter ones and uh, then moving on to hopefully do a couple of international shows uh, with a mind to qualify for the national championships, which are in Kentucky, I believe, uh, this year in October. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that'll be really fun. I love that <laughs> arena. Um, that's an awesome arena to ride in. So, And I love that, actually, it's in October because that uh, makes my summer plans a little easier. So that is a plan. He's only just seven years old. So, um, I want to let him dictate the time frame, and I don't want to overshow him. I'm not a big believer in over competing them, uh, which can get a bit crazy down here in Florida. Cause we do have shows every single weekend. 
Um, so I've sort of mapped myself out one show a month to maybe it'll end up being two shows a month, certain months. But uh, that's my tentative plans. It's always uh, with horses. You have to be a bit flexible. Um, but that's my plan. Oh, that sounds great. That sounds like a, a great fun. So I am dying to know what was it like to be at the Olympics and sort of that whole experience with um, with Carl? Um, it was amazing. It was a little bit um, of a funny experience for me because obviously um, I am now American. I became a citizen, oh, I don't know, 11 years ago. Um, so obviously I have a lot of allegiance to America, but Carl and Charlotte are my very, very dear friends. And um, I obviously love them and being with them all summer. Um, they're just really great human beings. So whether they were British, Chinese, Japanese, uh, wouldn't matter to me. Um, I was there to support them. So it was an unbelievable thing. It was very emotional, which um, for some reason with those two, I get really emotional. With those two and Robert Dover, who I worked for for years, um, whenever those people are competing and they do well, it's like, I don't know, it's the only time I really cry. I'm not really an overly emotional person, but... Um, when, when they won that gold medal, we were, I went to the second day of Grand Prix, um, and watched live, which was amazing. Uh, the atmosphere was incredible. And then we watched on television the other days. And then I was there again for the freestyle live. And, um, and just to watch one of your best friends win two gold medals is, um, quite something. So I don't know if there'll ever be any experience quite like that again. And for them to do it in their home country um, was quite amazing. And, you know, our American team did incredibly well as well. You know, I mean, everybody did their very best. You know, Stefan had a couple of disappointing moments, which I know he was just completely gutted about. And I did see him actually in the hotel after the freestyle and, it's hard to see, you know, because you're getting to the British mix, and I'm like, yay, we did so well, it's so exciting. And then I was like, oh, wait. And then I saw Stefan, and I felt sad for him because I knew it was a bit of a heartbreaker for him. Um, so that was like a bit of a sobering moment. But, uh, but yeah, it was um, it was quite something. I have to say it's a, it's a time I'll never forget, and I'm so glad I was there in person uh, to cheer everybody on. Yeah, and Stefan was your teammate here at the World Equestrian Games, so I'm sure that was even even harder to kind of watch that. Yeah, it was. It was, exactly. And and Stefan is somebody that, and all those guys, but, you know, especially sort of Stefan and Tina, and I've gotten to know Adrian very well, and um, I don't know Jan as well, but I certainly know him for years. I used to braid for him uh, when we <laughs> used to go to Gladstone. Uh, when I was working for Robert grooming. And so I know all those guys for years. And so it's, it's not easy to see your friends be disappointed, but then it, it was, it was a very funny thing because I was around all the Brits so much. So I was like, yeah, we're doing really well. Oh wait, maybe we did this so well. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> so hard. You're a little bit torn. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was. Cause I want everybody to do well. You know, I would have loved for, you know, all my friends to do really well. And you know what? Everybody did. It wasn't, it's, you know, it's a tough sport and it's got its ups and downs and, and you have to go with the flow. You know, I mean, the Brits more than likely will probably lose those horses at some point in the, you know, next year or so. Um, hopefully not, but probably. And then they're going to have to crawl their way back up, you know. So that's the, you know, you learn that's life with horses and that's competing and you can't get, you know, too, too disappointed about that. You know, you move on. 
Well, yeah. I mean, the the highs can be highs and the lows can be really low sometimes. Absolutely. But you know what? You're you're lucky to ever have those highs. You know, I mean, you have to think of it that way. That that you even (laughs) get this opportunity to be there and that you get the opportunity to not do well sometimes is amazing in itself. Um, So um, I was proud of, honestly, I was proud of everybody. Now, can you tell us a little bit about, do you have any stories from the celebrations after, or did you guys just go right back to work? Uh, no, it was pretty fun. We, um, two of uh, Carl's clients um, and friends rented a, a boat for them. And so we went on this boat immediately after the freestyle, and everybody was exhausted. And uh, we went around the Thames, and we went under London Bridge, which had the, the uh, um, Olympic rings blazoned on it and um it was i'm not a boat person i get very seasick i'm very afraid of boats so it was a little bit like oh i don't know if i want to do this but it was a blast we had an amazing time they had a little bit of press on there in the beginning so it's fun to see you know like charlotte getting her picture taken for hello magazine and all that (laughs) stuff and you know i was it was just you know i think she was really happy to to have me there in person you know usually we're doing everything over the phone um, and so it was just an incredible party. And I think, I don't know, we got back in at midnight and then we all went back to the hotel and a funny story. They, uh, they went to close down the bar and we're all still there, you know, all the Brits and actually <laughs> Tina was still there having a party. And, uh, so they go to close down the bar and we're like, well, wait a minute, we're not done yet. And so Zara Phillips was there. And so we said, sorry, Zara, go, we're going to open up for you. So she marched back there and she went and spoke to the manager and all the lights came back on and all the bottles came back from behind the oh, bar. Wow. And all of a sudden we were all going again. I was like, nothing like having a princess in your party to get the party yeah, going It's all again. in who you know, right? I know. Yeah. I see that princess all the time. She's a really, really cool, fun, down-to-earth, really cool girl. Um, you know, I've sort of known her a little bit here and there from years ago. She was in Florida and um, had written with Robert, and I taught her a couple of lessons and stuff. But she's just really a cool person. So that was that was fun. It was funny. <laughs> oh my goodness! I I just have chills. I I love all the stories. That's so fun. Yeah. And, and it's very true. I mean, I just love how the sportsmanship that that came out in in your whole um, discussion, and and that is it is sportsmanship. But it uh, you really have to celebrate with your friends in in this business. So um, I hope everyone Absolutely. takes that. <laughs> Yeah, and we're I all hope working well, together, right? Yeah, exactly for a common goal. So, well, Catherine, <laughs> thank you so much. I hope that we, you have some highs that I can help celebrate uh, this winter in Florida with you. And um, thanks oh, for coming on the show. <laughs> that would I'd be great. And in Kentucky, when you're here, that would be great. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so, Catherine, how could um, our listeners find you on the internet? Um, the best way to find me, I don't actually have a website. I'm embarrassed to say right now. Um, but the best way is on Facebook, uh, it's just under Catherine Bateson and, uh, that's usually the best way to find me. I'm there waiting for whoever wants to contact me (laughs) or not. (laughs) (laughs) Great, Catherine. Thanks so much and good luck. And thanks for your stories. Thanks so much, you guys. Well, Philip, that was a great interview and, and so so fun to hear her say that. And, and I just loved all her stories. Great that stories. Was, yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's nice to hear the behind the scenes, what, what was going on and, uh, at the Olympics, even though it was it was a little while ago, I'm still excited about it. Yeah, it's still I still got goosebumps <laughs> as she was chatting about it. And um, so we have uh, the next guest on the show after our 
Our uh, commercial break from Draper Therapies is George Williams, and he is the president of USDF, and he's going to come on and uh, tell us all about what happened at convention right after this word from Draper Therapies. Hi, everybody. Glenn the Geek here from the Horse Radio Network, and I am here with Kat from Draper Therapies with the Draper Therapies product of the week. What are we talking about this week, Kat? Well, this week we're actually going to be talking about two products, so it's kind of products of the week, and we're going to be talking about our eye pillow and shoulder wrap that we have available, and both of them are filled with flaxseed. So with the Draper Therapies products, normally you're getting an increase in circulation and health benefits, you know, that help you sleep better and all sorts of other great things, help you get rid of pain. But these products in particular, because they have the flaxseed in them, can either be thrown into the freezer or the microwave for added therapeutic benefits. So the unscented ones are usually ones we recommend to go into the microwave because otherwise our uh, lavender burns and doesn't smell so good. And, you know, you don't want that smell in your house, but <laughs> which is the bad thing. But if you go with the unscented version, you'll actually find that when you put it in the microwave, you can put it on different parts of your body that might be ailing you, especially if you've got a tight shoulders and tight neck and heat is the best recommendation for, you know, helping you feel a little bit better. These products work twofold. So you get the therapy plus you get the heat in that. Or if you throw them in the freezer, then you can throw them just about anywhere. And if you've got maybe an injury or something that's just, you know, feels a little funky after a day of riding, you can put them right on there. And I've actually had a lot of customers using the eye pillows as almost um, like boo-boo packs for your little kids. So you'd, you know, keep them in the freezer all the time. And then when something, you know, came up or a little, you know, scratch happened, you could just throw that right on top of it. So both of these items are very affordable. They're, you know, either $15 for the eye pillow or $25. And you do save when you buy them in pairs. They're great gift items and they're just great all around to have. And, of course, you can find them all at drapertherapies.com. And, and for these particular products, you would want to look under the category of body therapy. Well, thank you very much. It's drapertherapies.com. Well, George, it is such an honor and a privilege to have you on the Dressage Radio Show. George is the president of USDF. And, uh, George, we are all looking forward to your report on what happened at convention this year. Well, it, it's a pleasure to be here, Reese. And, and um, we had a very good convention. It was quite quiet. Uh, not, a lot of, uh, not a lot of excitement in the sense of big issues coming forward that had people stirred up. Um, but some of them did generate some excitement, I have to say. We are definitely moving forward with our U.S. dressage finals, which will be in November in Lexington next year in 2013. Um, so that was more, you know, just filling people in and bringing them up to date on where we're at on that. Um, the, we, from a government's point of view, one of the more interesting things that we're doing in, in that improved is we have a our, we have always had a membership committee, but we've always felt that that membership committee, it's been difficult for it to really find its stride. And uh, over the last year, we've been putting together, you know, a better direction, I think, in which uh, to take the membership committee. And uh, we are trying to really make sure it's sort of a membership um, uh, certain satisfaction or a membership uh, that's the word I want, satisfaction-type 
committee make it so that it responds more to the membership and can react to them and hopefully uh, uh, be more effective and in, in effective voice for all of our members. Um, some of the other things, that, that, of course, um, you know, looking forward into 2013, we have our Neutrina Adult Clinics that Hilda Gurney is going to be conducting, and I think we have five of those scheduled for 2013, and uh, she, they'll go into 2014 as well. Uh, they'll be in, over the two-year period there in each of the regions. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that was actually a lot of fun at the convention is we have our Salute Gala on Saturday night, and we inducted uh, Michael Poulin into the Hall of Fame as well as Ravel. So there we had a, a you know, that was a fun evening. It was a lot of it's great to see see both uh, Michael. Michael was there, of course. Ravel wasn't there, which would have been fun. But <laughs> by the way, uh, Michael and his whole family, and um, it was a real honor to to have Michael and his family there, and also, of course, uh, Akiko Yamazaki and Stephen Peterson, and the whole entourage that comes with Ravel. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That sounds like it was a wonderful time. So, Stefan, um, um, George, I'm sorry. When you talk about the dressage, the adult clinics, how would our listeners actually um, find information out if they wanted to go to the clinics? Um, well, of course, uh, we have information on our website about them. Um, they, they are in each region. I don't have it in front of me which, you know, which regions are happening when, unfortunately. Um, but you would, if you go to our website, uh, usdf.org, you'll find information on them. Um, they they're geared, of course, for the riders, but also really towards auditors as well. So we try to have um, sort of a mixed group of riders, <laughs> meaning that they're different, representing different levels. Uh, so it becomes hopefully it's quite interesting to the auditors, and I think everyone knows that Hilda is a dynamic teacher. Um, mm-hmm. So it should be quite enjoyable, I think, and, and informative for the auditors as well. But the information would be on the website. Oh, great. Super. And because, um, you know, I always like to plug the horse park in Kentucky when I can. Um, the the national finals, can you kind of give us a report and tell all our listeners um, what's happened in the national finals, how you qualify? Kind of give us a rundown on the finals. Yeah, I can. Um, we're, they're going to be titled the U.S. Dressage Finals. Um, we have actually created a website uh, specifically for the finals. It's called www.usdressagefinals.com. Uh, it's quite easy to remember. Um, the, the finals, you qualify for the finals out of the regional championships. And the exact details are still being worked out, but there's no doubt that the top two placers, placings in each of the divisions, um, in each of the levels, will be invited to the finals. In other words, the top two placings from first level adult amateur as well as the top two from first level open. Um, and when I say the top two, you will be, have to declare and in, in, that you want to go on to the final. So there will be a declaration of intent that you'll be required to do probably when you actually enter the regional championships so that all competitors will know 
pretty much, you know, almost right away who will be invited. Um, when I say almost right away, there might be a 24-hour delay, but we're hoping that you really have a sense of who's going to be invited, you know, almost as soon as the class is placed. Of course, it, 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 things will have to be verified and whatnot, so it may take 24 hours, but it should be quite quite soon after the class is completed. Um, there, we're also looking at possible wildcard invitations. Uh, again, those details need to be worked out, and hopefully they will be worked out in the next uh, four to six weeks. Uh, the idea of those is that you, you would have, probably have to reach a minimum score at the regional championships still uh, in order to be considered for a wild card. So <clears throat> that might give um, you know, riders who are coming from a, a very, very competitive region where it requires a high score to be in the top top four or five, and you still might have a chance for you know an opportunity for an invitation to the to the championships. Well, that sounds all good. Um, I wanted to get back to convention. What was special about having it in uh, New Orleans? What was that like? Um, well, it, I think the interesting thing is that was, New Orleans is such a such a wonderful city anyway, and, and it's such an attraction. The city itself is such an attraction. Um, we had we were very really quite well attended this year. We did not offer a symposium. Um, we usually do offer one, or we have in the past. Um, but we thought this year we really would go without doing it. it. One, it's just from a purely practical point of view, it's not easy to find stables, you know, close in, close by to the city or to conduct them. But the other is, is we wanted to make the convention uh, a little shorter in the sense that this year it started on Wednesday and it actually ended Saturday night with the gala. Normally it would have started a day earlier, uh, Actually, I think I said that wrong. It started started um, on Thursday, the, the full schedule. We had some meetings on Wednesday, but the full schedule started on Thursday, and it ended with the gala on Saturday night. Uh, as, as I think everyone knows, New Orleans is just a wonderful city to visit, and uh, we found that we had quite good attendance, but also, and a lot of people came in, of course, for the meetings, but came to especially to see the city or to visit the city. Uh, and I think a lot of them brought their their spouses or uh, their partners along. And just because it is such a wonderful city. The convention was a little bit little bit shorter than what we normally do. Uh, we started on with the meetings and the business meetings on Thursday. We had some special meetings on Wednesday, meaning that the USD executive board and some of those meetings happen Wednesday, but for most of the membership, the meeting started Thursday and ended. Everything ended Saturday night with the gala. Uh, oh, that, that so sounds was, great! It was a good, yeah. It was a very yeah. good week. Oh, it sounds like fun. So, George, if if our listeners wanted to get involved in USDF, how how do they do that? What's a good way to, or a good way to start? Well, a lot of our meetings, you know, a lot of our meetings are open and. Um, I think a lot of us actually did get started with USDF by attending the annual meeting and then attending some of the smaller, in those days they were called council meetings, now we call them committee meetings, but attending the, the committee meetings where, uh, as I said, they're open, anybody can 
stand up and speak if they'd like to, or if they have a question they want to raise. Uh, so if you're okay. interested in a certain program, um, you can you can participate in that manner. Uh, a lot of people, of course, try to come as a delegate for either a, P, a participating member, what we call a PM delegate, or they may come as a delegate representing their group member organization, their local dressage club. Well, George, thank you so much for your time this evening. You are a busy, busy man and really appreciate it. And, um, George, if somebody wanted to kind of get some information um, from you or send you an email about USDF, is there a way that they can do that? Um, yeah, my email is, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's president at USDF.org. <laughs> Glenn Geek here, founder of the Horse Radio Network. We are excited to bring you a special holiday helmet mini-series, giving the gift of safety, purchasing a helmet for your loved ones at Christmas. In this final part, Lindsay from Riders for Helmets and I speak to dressage rider Courtney King Dye. It was Courtney's tragic fall two years ago that was the inspiration behind the Riders for Helmets campaign. Courtney has been working very hard in physical therapy on her recovery. Let's hear how Courtney is doing right after we thank Charles Owen for sponsoring this series. When Charles Owen himself founded the company in 1911, his mission was to make products for a safer world. The incorporation of the latest technology and protection, fit, and ventilation allows you to focus on riding in the knowledge that your Charles Owen helmet will take the very best care of you. Safety, comfort, fit, all wrapped up in a helmet that is the epitome of style in each discipline. Why wait any longer? Nothing says you care more than the gift of a Charles Owen helmet for the holidays. There's a trained helmet fitter waiting in your local tax store, or you can find Charles Owen helmets at any of your favorite online tack outlets. Give the gift of safety and style this Christmas with Charles Owen. Well, hello, Lindsay. Welcome back to your series here that we're doing on helmets. I appreciate you joining us again. Hi, Glenn. And of course, we have Courtney King die with us. And hello again, Courtney. Hi. Thank you so much for taking time out to join us on what we feel is a, a very important topic, and I know you do as well, and that's that's the topic of helmets. And we have to congratulate you for winning a terrific prize by the FEI, the Against All Odds Award. Were, did they notify you ahead, or was this a surprise for you? Oh, no, it's a funny story. They couldn't get a hold of me for some reason. So they actually called Lindsay because they know she's in charge with me. So she's the one who told me. <laughs> Lindsay, you must have been excited too. I was so excited. I, I think I nearly wet my pants when they told me. <laughs> I was like, wow, I was so totally excited. I was like, really? I get to tell her? That's so cool. And and this award is really for athletes who have had challenges and who have met them and, and exceeded expectations. And you actually had the opportunity to get over to Europe to accept the award, didn't you? Yes, I did. Now I'm so happy about that. And then trip, um, I think probably the best thing about it, other than the Turkish July, of course, is that the IVI was very enthusiastic about Wardes for Hamas and promoting the safety campaign. 
And and I have to add on the air that you looked absolutely terrific. We're going to put your picture in the show notes so everybody can see you accepting the award. Mm-hmm. It, it just goes to show that horse girls can get all dressed up. And it's not often, but it was very fun. <laughs> now, <laughs> tell me, Courtney, um, you know, how do you feel about your accident be, kind of being a catalyst for the global movement on helmet wearing? Because it was because of you that Lindsay really started Riders for Helmets. So it, it all comes back to you, all the changes that are really being made now. Yeah, um I mean, that makes me feel really good about my accident because um, I think it needed to have an Olympian injured and have a heart injury to make it, um, make him so important because it shows that um, level of skill has nothing to do with safety. So it just... Uh, like had to happen for uh, to one Olympian, so may as well be me. I'm fine. I'm happy about it, and it is real important. I obviously, for many years, didn't believe in riding a helmet other than on young or dangerous horses. So that. Uh, hopefully, I mean, Lindsay's doing a great thing by um, trying to have everyone learn from an accident that gives them an accident purpose, makes it um, special. And, uh, you know, we all we all wish that this didn't happen in this way. uh, But, you know, we we, we don't have a choice about that now. And it did. And, and, uh, you know, I I think you're inspiring in the fact that you're also back in the saddle again, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and doing. Well, luckily, the coma made me forget everything. So there's not an answer here. So there's what? I missed that end. Not an ounce of fear. Oh, gotcha. Very good. Well, now, you also, uh, you, you know, while you were over there, did you find that the FEI and, and everybody that's there is now really aware of Riders for Helmets? And do you think that, that this subject is on the forefront of the FEI's minds at this point? Oh, for sure. I, I can't tell you how many people talk to me about it unprovoked so um they were really enthusiastic about it one of the things we've talked about in the symposiums that have been put on by by riders for helmets is the fact that it has to become sort of second nature and it has to become the style and the fact that she was not penalized by the judges we know now that wearing a helmet you're not going to get penalized by judges is a huge step in getting more people to do it do you agree with that yeah, I I think more than anything is that she's a great role model. Like, the thing is that when people show, that's when people are watching them. So if people are at home, even, I, if they were the helmet at home or warm up and then put them the top to show, that is not powerful because... That's not what people watch. So the fact that she went in the biggest worst stage 
and World War helmet just is um like shows people that it's right and it's possible and it's cool. Where do you take this a little bit different direction? Let's talk about you a little bit. What do you have coming up personally for 2013 with your riding and everything? I have a really great horse who is in the London Olympics for one A rider, um, and um, another client of mine. She's been uh, helped me, been a client since I was 16 years old. And she bought a horse for me, and he's now seven. She bought him when he was three, when I was able-bodied. And she went to sell him and buy a a pure pure horse. And so my hopes are to be able to go for the WEG. Oh, is that right? On the parasite, Courtney? Yes, on the parasite, of course. Well, we can't wait to see you in the next World Equestrian Games, that's for sure. Now, Lindsay, what's coming up with Riders for Helmets in 2013? Oh, yeah, we have some really exciting things coming up. We're in the process of planning the fourth uh, safety symposium, which will be held in the United States. And then uh, we have very exciting, I was just telling Courtney about this on the phone the other evening, that we are planning our first international safety symposium for next year as well. So that's very, very exciting. And then, of course, we'll be holding the fourth International Helmet Awareness Day. And we really hope we're going to get even more uh, retailers around the globe participate than they did this year, which was, I think, over 600 retailers in four countries this year, which was phenomenal. So hopefully we'll take that to the next level as well. Um, And I just want to say, you know, I don't think people perhaps, you know, perhaps some people that are not involved with dressage, for example, might not realize just what an impact Courtney has had. Um, But her videos and articles on the Riders for Helmets website have been viewed and and read now over a combined total of 100,000 times. Um, and that's huge, hugely, hugely significant. And I kind of don't think Courtney even realizes the catalyst that she's really been for this massive global helmet movement. And just, I'm just so totally proud of her. I really, really am. And, um, you know, she's taken so much of the stigma out of having a head injury as well, because it just shows that, you know, um, even with one's own personal misfortune, if you have the right attitude, you can still achieve so much, which she's done from the ed- not only the education standpoint, but for just getting back on a horse and, and aiming to compete for a country again. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Well, thank you to both of you. Thank you, Courtney, and thank you, Lindsay, and best of luck uh, in 2013, Courtney. Thanks, Dylan. Thank you to Riders for Helmets for everything they do for helmet awareness and safety. You can visit them at riders4helmets.com. And thank you to Charles Owen. You can visit them at charlesowen.co.uk. And you can hear all the shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com.
Well, I always like hearing um, helmet safety news. It's certainly part of, of what I'm really passionate about with also the Riders for Helmet campaign. So uh, thank you to Charles Owen for sponsoring. Um, as always, they are a wonderful company and, and take great care of, of all us riders uh, throughout the world. So that was wonderful. You know, um, for me, I, I went for a, a long time, actually probably too long, without wearing a helmet daily. I mean, that's a bit, this is a bit of a confessional, I, you know, because I rode in Europe and we didn't really ride helmets too yeah. often there. And, and I got out of the habit of it um, when I went over there. And then, um, you know, after a while, you know, when people, this really big push to, to get helmets and, and ride with helmets again really came on. And, uh, and I started to do it again. And I'm so happy that I did because I have had a couple of falls, um, even recently. And, uh, and I've been happy to, to have been wearing my helmet. So I think it's great. And, uh, we thank Charles Owen for, for coming on and sponsoring a segment about encouraging everybody to wear helmets. And uh, we all do at the barn now, and, and it doesn't matter showing or, or hacking or, or what. I think it's really important. Yeah, no, we're the same here. You know, I was the same way. I went through that phase when I was in Europe. And, and actually, when the head trainer at the barn where I was um, fell off and sort of banged her head against the wall, um, I did have a little uh, epiphany. And that was, I'm in a foreign country, and I should probably wear my helmet. So actually, I did wear it a little bit after that. I, you know, I didn't probably wear it the whole time, but, um, and I came back and, and it really is something I, we do now. It's a rule here at my barn. You know, you can't ride without a helmet period. It's just the way it is. And, um, there are really some great helmets out there and they're really not that they're, they're really, impro- they're, I mean, the, yeah. the other thing is they really have improved in fit yep. style and, yep. and just comfort level. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think everybody this Christmas, Hey, get a new helmet, right? Get Exactly. <laughs> well, you actually are supposed to get a new helmet. Um, anytime you fall off, that was something I didn't know. Anytime you fall off and, and hit your head, you should get a new helmet. Um, and it, any brand, as long as it's an, it's an ASTM approved helmet. Um, but yeah, if you fall off, it is, you have to get a new one because it breaks, it breaks the seal in the helmet, actually, which I didn't know until uh, somebody told me that. So. Yeah, yeah, somebody so, had told me that too. And uh, yeah, so I mean, you can't be wearing a helmet that's been through a few crashes, right? That won't do the right. job, right? But so. doesn't doesn't help you, so you might as well just stop and get a new one. But um, well, Philip, I wish you great luck on shopping. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to need I, it. I'm, yeah. I'm laughing. I'm going to go relax doing my cookie swap and okay. cooking all my cookies yeah, uh, well, and going good for luck our at first the show. show. Yeah, Thanks. I'll let everybody show. know how the yeah. Nally's first show goes. So exciting. <laughs> oh, it should, be, it should be a lot of fun. So, um, But everyone, you can find um, our show notes and links to today's guests on our website at dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com, and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Collections, Draper Therapies, and Charles Owen. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Well, Philip, I am so I am really impressed, actually, on how well you have done with your producing skills. <laughs> I think you should add that to your list of. That's going of on the resume, yeah. Yes, exactly. Hopefully, Glenn will be back next week, and he'll he uh, decreases our stress level quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Philip, very impressive man. I'm so I'm so impressed. Thanks, Chris. Anytime. Well, everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and enjoy the holiday season. And we will talk to you next week. <laughs>